Have you ever considered turning your knowledge into a profitable online business? The Visionary Method four-month online experience is here for you. We teach go-getters just like you how to solve a unique problem, define a dream client, and how you can make your first 50000 in business. Whether you want to launch a business as a freelancer, yoga teacher, marketing coach, zero-waste consultant, wedding officiant, or other, if you're driven to succeed, we are ready to hand over the frameworks. The next round of The Visionary Method starts on February 15th, but there are bonuses for a limited time only if you enroll early. So head to kelseyridle.com to enroll. You'll see a banner across the top of the site. That's Kelsey Rydell, K-E-L-S-E-Y. R-E-I-D-L dot com to learn more or to enroll. You're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with the most visionary humans on this earth in hopes that you'll be able to absorb their wisdom, avoid their failures, and feel less alone on the roller coaster ride that is entrepreneurship. This season, I'll be chatting with creative thinkers, masterful marketers, brick and mortar shop owners, brand builders, and people just like you who have a story to share or a vision that inspires. If I can share one quick secret with you before we get into the episode, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. You know, that spark that nudges us to pursue our full potential in this lifetime. But perhaps somewhere along the line, it got covered up. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to explore that inner voice and access the brilliance deep down inside of you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Welcome back, visionaries. On today's show, I am sitting down with Jen Pike, who is a hormone nutritionist, an author, and a brilliant entrepreneur. I have to admit, I didn't know a lot about Jen and her work before our conversation, but I am sitting here completely blown away by how brilliant and genuine this woman is. Many of you have been patiently awaiting this episode since I showed you a teaser back when we recorded it, and now I know why. Jen is a true visionary. In addition to opening up about her Many successes as a business owner of over 15 years, Jen is also pulling the curtains back to share the challenges and the tougher moments that brought her to where she is today. Opening and ultimately selling her brick and mortar Pilates studio, reaching burnout multiple times, and failing to give her family her best energy. These are just some of the real topics that Jen and I are sharing in today's conversation. So let's get into this week's episode with Jen Pike, and I'll see you on the other side for a quick recap of the episode. All right, Jen, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. You are a best-selling author of The Simplicity Project. You're a creator of two women's health online courses, The Hormone Project and Synced. You also have video-based movement programs. You host Simplicity TV. I'm already spinning thinking, how does she do this all? So of course, we're going to talk about that today. Um, But first, I just want to welcome you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to chat. Now, before we get into it, I would love to know what are three things that you can attribute your daily high output to? Like, what do you do to be able to show up in such a big way as a business owner? I move my body every day. 
um, you know, and I, and I say move and not exercise because I believe movement and exercise are different, but I make sure to move my body every day. I'm really um, very aware and conscientious of what I put into my body on a nourishment and a hydration level. Mm-hmm. And I tap in daily. How am I feeling? How do I need to move through the day? I also have really learned the power of pause, where if something is all of a sudden not feeling the way that I had intended to, or, you know, we were talking before about having these dips, right? These peaks Mm -hmm. and these valleys. I've really learned to create a moment of pause and check in. What do I need to shift in order to, to stay in my peak state for when I need to? And I think kind of the the three plus, the little bonus of that is I've really learned over the years to create a transition of the time from when work ends and my life begins. I love that you're bringing that up because I feel like that's been a reoccurring theme in my life and in the the clients that I'm coaching right now. It's like, how do you have that separation between work life and personal? It is hard, but it, I noticed the difference on the days where I honor that and the days where I just, everything gets all smushed together. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what that pause moment looks like, because I'm certain that everybody listening, they've had those moments in their day where they're going about doing their thing, feeling good. And then maybe they get a negative email from a client, or maybe they hit a wall and they didn't output as much as they thought they would. And then you just start to dip and you start to sink and doubt and fear and whatever those emotions are. What do you mean when you say you tap in and pause? What does that routine look like? I don't know if it's so much of a routine as more of a, it's just a habit I've created where the second I start to notice that I'm not breathing the way that I normally do. I'm clenching my teeth in my jaw. I am, I'm feeling myself get agitated about little things. Um, I, I, I can just feel it. It's more of an energetic thing for me where my body starts to constrict mm-hmm. and contract. I will recognize that and I will stop what I am doing. I will pull the earbuds out. I will close my eyes and I will start to breathe. And then I will literally ask myself, why am I feeling this way? Mm. What has happened that has tipped this off? So if it is something like an email that comes through or something, you know, I had set an intention or goal around something and it didn't end up happening. Why Mm. is that bothering me so much? Like what, what is actually, and I will ask myself things like, okay, how is that actually going to impact the rest of my day if that didn't happen? What, what is my worst case scenario? And so I'll do that with myself. Um, sometimes I'll use things like essential oils. I'll spray, you know, something like a Palo Santo or something that just, you know, breaks my state. Mm-hmm. I'll take a big gulp of water and remind myself to focus on the things that I can have. I don't want to say control, but that I can move towards as opposed to things that have happened that are totally out of my, I just, I release it and I let it go. Mm-hmm. Is that something you've always incorporated, like having those no. pause moments? Or did you used to be the type to be like, just push through oh, and totally. somehow? <laughs> totally, that was me. It was, yeah, it was very task oriented, very much like, this is what I've set out to do. I am going to make it happen. And it's how I went, I hit burnout multiple times along my journey of being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, was a lot of my mentors early in my career were men, wasn't a lot of women. So I was following a dude's approach and it was very much like, you don't need that much sleep. You can push through, you can sleep when you die. You've got these targets to hit, you wanna do this. And so it was a very male energy 
that for so long I didn't realize wasn't serving my female body until I started to just feel myself dip and not come back up. Mm-hmm. I started mm-hmm. to feel that burnout. And that it, it hit me even more once I had my children. Um, because before kids, if I had burnout, well, I could just park it on the couch for a few days, you know, watch movies, do what I had to do and get back up and head right back into that pace. When I had kids, they did not care <laughs> that yeah. I needed rest and wasn't doing well. And so not only did I not have any time to recover, I had zero transition in that time. So I had to start to figure out what can I do in micro moments so that I do not fall apart. Oh, that's so wonderful. And I love that you bring it back to micro moments. It's not about like changing your life and having these drawn out routines. Um, And another thing I kind of want to double tap on there is that um, you mentioned you had a lot of male mentors in the early days. And I think in anyone's early business journey, oftentimes we are looking outside of ourselves for mm. templates and for advice. And that's normal, right? Like we need yeah. somebody to kind of guide us. But it's funny, once you hit this certain threshold, you realize, oh, this was somebody else's formula for success. And Mm -hmm. I'm feeling burnt out because it's not my formula. And that's when you really have to almost go on this self-discovery journey of like, okay, like what is this business going to look like if I'm in charge? And if I tune out the noise of the world and instead think about like, how I can discover more about me to be able to pour into my business. So it's interesting, these stages that we have to go through in order to really, uh, I don't want to say arrive, but in order to be able to continue to pursue our business ventures. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was, you know, at that time for me too, when I was, you know, my early parts of my career, I was working all with athletes. And so the athletes were male athletes. I was working with hockey players their team of support were all male um, practitioners and trainers and coaches as well. And then I was um, a training director in multiple gyms that were all run by men. Mm-hmm. And so, and the irony was, is in the gyms, I was training women, but I was being mentored by men. So then how I was showing up as a trainer to these women and to these moms was also with this very androgynous um, approach and expectation that I started to notice I was putting on them. And I was like, what is actually happening here? And so, yeah, you just, over time you start to learn and you have to break up with other people's way and start to carve it out. And for me, that really happened when I embraced more yoga. Mm, Unrolling my mat was like, I hated it in the beginning. I'm like, this is so boring. This is like, people actually do this all the time by choice. (laughs) And I would leave during Shavasana, like, oh my gosh, it was just, it was brutal. I write about this and in the intro of my, of my book, The Simplicity Project. And then one day the instructor fully called me out in front of the entire class. And I was the director of this facility. And she called me out when I was getting ready to walk out during Shavasana. And she was like, I'm sorry, you're going to have to unroll your mat, take your shoes back off and lie down. You never complete your practice. You need to complete your practice today. And I was pissed. I was, I was mortified. Actually, I was embarrassed Mm -hmm. and I lied down on that mat. And the next thing I knew tears are streaming down my face. And I just was never creating any time to like feel and to pause to me. That was lazy. 
Hmm. You know, it was, um, and in my early years of being an entrepreneur, I was holding down multiple jobs. So there was no time. The time to rest was the five, six hours I was sleeping at night. And then it was get back up and do it all over again. I think that's so funny and so common um, as business owners and even just driven people who constantly, like you're saying, you were task oriented. So it's like on to the next, on to the next. Yeah. Uh, and you didn't actually give yourself that time at the end of a yoga class to do the Shavasana, which is kind of like a celebration, right? Yeah. And this is the same as business owners who they go through a big launch or they finally get their website up and then they go, okay, what's next? but they never complete the circle by taking a moment to celebrate or do the Shavasana because they don't feel like it's worth their time or it's not a good focus and they should just be on to the next mission. But I love that you brought that up because I think it's so important, uh, whether it's a yoga practice or a big launch that you're going through, take that time to Mm -hmm. enjoy and to like soak in that nourishment of completing a project or completing a gym class. Otherwise you are eventually going to reach those stages of burnout. So I think that's a great lesson. Now you kind of mentioned a little bit, um, your past career and, um, dabbling into entrepreneurship. I would love if you could kind of bring us back. Um, have you always had your own business? Did you start in a different career path working for other people first? Maybe paint us a picture of, um, what this journey has looked like for you? So when I first started in the, so I've been in the health and wellness industry um, since I was 17. So my first exposure to that was I started teaching aerobics at that age. Mm -hmm. And then I went to school for, um, you know, human mechanics, biology, all of that came out, went right into a personal training career. Um, from a young age. And I had an opportunity uh, to be working with with athletes. I was working with a couple of big hockey teams at the time. And I loved it. I loved it because athletes, they pretty much would do anything. Uh, You could be very creative. They had these teams set in place. And it was a really cool environment to be a part of. And so I was employed doing that. And then I was subcontracting through my own personal training business at local gyms. Mm -hmm. And so I was really fortunate that the man who owned the gym that I was at for 12 years in the beginning of my career, I always say like I learned, I earned my my master's in business on his couch in his office because he would take the time and, you know, shoot the shit, but also really just like ask me really uncomfortable questions about business. Like, well, why are you doing this? And why aren't you doing it then? Have you ever thought about that? And he, I was constantly breaking the mold for myself. You know, he really taught me that there was the only ceiling was the one I was putting on myself. And so I learned a lot from him. And as years went on, and as I had this, you know, yogic experience, I actually ended up opening up my own brick and mortar business. So I I stepped out of being a director for many facilities, subcontracting my own company. I got married, I was starting a family, and I needed more simplicity. I had been literally driving around chasing my paycheck from Mm -hmm. place to place for so long. I couldn't do that with little ones anymore. And so I opened up a studio in in my town, and it was a yoga and Pilates boutique studio. And I built that in 2010. I ran that for five years. Um, hardest, most rewarding years of my life. And then I sold it in 2015 and then transitioned absolutely everything online where I've been building for, for the last five, almost six years now. And so, 
you know, I get asked this question a lot, you know, do you feel like you were born an entrepreneur? Do you feel like this was something that was trained into you? Mm -hmm. And it's funny because my parents will say like, no, you, you walked out (laughs) and we're like, I got this. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom's like at eight years old, you were asking us to make flyers for a daycare business. (laughs) You know, when you like, I always just had these ideas and would go off on these tangents. So, um, I've been, I've been employed and I've been my own boss for many years. Mm, That's awesome. Before we move on to kind of hearing about what you're up to today, I'd love to know, like, what were some of the best parts of having a brick and mortar shop? And then what were some of those big challenges that you probably just didn't anticipate? So let's start with the best parts and then we'll go to those challenges. Hands down, the best part is uh, the community. It, we mm-hmm. were a family. It was the second home in our community here. Um, the the bonds, I'm still close with so many of my former staff, six years later, former members. Yep. I still teach, well, was teaching many of them before things closed down again in another local gym that they transitioned to. That community, the energy and what we created in that space, the team that I had, um, we were real. We the, having the ability owning your own space means you have the creative template to create what you want. And so we got to break down a lot of barriers, break down a lot of myths. We got to educate and inspire women on a totally different level that other people weren't doing at the time. Mm-hmm. And my team were all on board. We all had the same philosophies and values. So the community and the team, it was a family that like it's still palpable. I miss it so much. Um, but the hard stuff was, oh gosh, the cost. Yeah. The cost. I mean, it is astronomical. You know, I definitely, I went in, I had a business plan when I went into it, Mm -hmm. you know, you try and factor in your numbers. What's your rent? What's your tax maintenance and insurance fee? What's it going to cost for your hydro? Like all of the things that logically you can break down in your head is needing. But nobody explains to you the cost that it is going to be, you know, to to have proper staff, how much of your own energy and time goes into being all the staff, the janitor, like your name line is well beyond the outside of the building, right? Like not the business name. Yeah. Um, It was hard. I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old. I was still nursing my youngest when I opened. My kids literally grew up in that studio. If they were sick, they had to come with me when I was teaching because my husband was building his company. Yeah. you know, customer service is a challenge. Uh, having a landlord is a challenge. Just all of these different things that you don't, you can't understand or be prepared for until you are in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also as we were building and it was going so well, well, then you have other people that are like, oh, I should, I should open up another studio in the town. And then you have competitors that open up and yeah. You know, I live in what's referred to as a bedroom community where people live here, but they don't typically work here. They're commuting. So you're really competing for dollars in a a town like this. People have a finite amount they're going to spend on their health. Mm -hmm. And some of them are going to be working out on their way to work or at work. Others, it was like, okay, if they have town programs, which are really inexpensive, martial arts, hockey, soccer, gymnastics, dance studios, you know, all those things people aren't going to be paying everywhere. So how do you create something really unique? So it, and that's the other side of entrepreneurship and having a brick and mortar people don't tell you is it is a daily grind and it's exhausting. You are constantly having to market and advertise. And when I opened up in 2010, 
it, you weren't advertising through Instagram and through Facebook and your email list didn't have the importance it does now. It was still paper. You were still mm -hmm. printing pamphlets. Yep. Um, you know, so yeah, it was, it, it, it was a challenge. And I think one of the biggest things is that I started to recognize over the years that I was so invested in building this company and maintaining this community that I took on everyone else's expectations yeah. and I would give all of them the best parts of me. And I would come home and my husband and my kids would get the shitty leftover parts of me. And it would, I'd go in these ebbs and flows where I'd, it had happened. I'd recognize it and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I have to change something. I'd implement change. It would last for a period of time. And then you start to go back into your old ways. And then I hit rock bottom burnout. Mm -hmm. And I, and I released a whole podcast episode on this on my own show. And I, and I talk about this, like, like I literally was on the couch for four days, massive fever, couldn't do anything. My little kids are like putting cloths on my head. My husband is on his knees in front of me, like almost in tears, just like, I don't know what to do. I don't like, you've never been like this before. I, I couldn't function. I couldn't make a decision. I, um, it was really bad. It was really bad. And mm -hmm. I wasn't being truthful about how hard it was financially, the responsibilities, and because I wasn't being honest and I wasn't letting people in, I couldn't receive help. Hmm. I couldn't let anybody help me because I was like, nope, this is mine. I, I have to do this. It was, again, that very task-oriented, yeah. male-dominant, like, I got this. Mm -hmm. And I got, I hit rock bottom a couple times where I was like, I need to step into my feminine energy more. I need to ask for help. And yeah, it was hard. Quick break from my conversation with Jen to talk about this week's sponsor, Healthy Planet. As you've probably picked up on, Jen is a super healthy individual. Much of her work focuses on hormones, health, and living in balance. And one easy way that we can all start to improve in these areas of our lives is by simply changing what we eat and the way we supplement. And that's where Healthy Planet comes in. So Healthy Planet is your one-stop shop for all of your natural health and supplement needs. I've been shopping there for over five years, and that's why I'm so grateful to have them as a sponsor. So if you go to healthyplanetcanada.com, place your order, anything over $49.99 will actually get you a 10% discount code. So go ahead, use the code VISIONARY10 at checkout to save 10% on any online order. That's a minimum of $49. Again, that code is visionary 10 at checkout. Now back to my episode. Wow. I, I'm so happy you shared all that, like just the behind the scenes of what it really looks like. Um, mm -hmm. It's interesting because I think we have these character traits as entrepreneurs where we are like unapologetically devoted to our business in yeah. a way that is almost scary. Yeah. It's like you're saying, like you would give the best parts of you to your clients, to your students of your classes, to your team members. And then somehow in your mind, it was okay to come home and just be like totally zonked out and like, yeah. all right, mama's tired here. And I think for a lot of business owners, like that's just normal. It's like, yeah, of course I'm going to give 110% to my business, but who knows what's going to be left after that. And yeah. it's, uh, it's almost this scary quality that I don't know if we're born with it or like we just, uh, are unapologetically persistent, but it's something that we have to be mindful of because yeah. otherwise you lose 
the reason why you're doing this business, which is to have an amazing quality of life outside of work. So, um, yeah, yeah really, it's really true. And you know, there's so many like cliche things that people say that when I hear it, I'm just like, like, you know, it's time freedom, having your own business. And, you know, and I'm like, what? Like, do you just talk about having your own business or do you actually have your own business? Because, you know, that that is an illusion and it's something that's painted for so many people. And I think that's why it rocks a lot of entrepreneurs when they start out is because this isn't this isn't rolling out the way that reel or TikTok said it was going to go. <laughs> right. Like this is actually oh, this is work. This is hard. Um, and I think, you know, it it's interesting obviously as an entrepreneur and so many of my friends and colleagues and mentors are entrepreneur, there's something primal about it. You go into this like survival mode where you just, you know, it's like head down forward focus and um, it, Mm -hmm. it can be dangerous. It is very primal for sure. It's a good way to describe it. So when you kind of reached that point of burnout, uh, was that when you decided to take your business online? What was that pivotal moment where you said, all right, I've got to make a change and I'm shifting from this bricks and mortar into the online space. So that burnout was not the moment. Um, that burnout was two years into a five-year journey. And so what happened to me at the two-year point, almost two-year actually, might not even have been that that long into it, is that the first thing I did, I started to ask for help. I completely uh, changed the model of how I was running the business. Um, I started to pay myself. I wasn't doing that in the beginning. I was paying everyone else and I was covering expenses with the rest and I wasn't taking anything home. And so the first thing was I had to restructure what I was doing. I was also at the time allowing my community and my staff to determine a lot of what was happening because I wanted people to to like us. I wanted them to join the studio. I wanted them to love me. I wanted them to, you know, our place to be the place that they, you know, every wish was there, you know, was granted. Mm -hmm. And um, I was slowly like cutting off chunks of myself and just handing it over to them as they asked. And so I needed to make those changes. And when I did that, then I was able to go through a few years of like, okay, there feels like there's more balance. I had a, you know, a true office manager. I had the right team in place. And so it gave me more breathing room. Um, And then I started to get uncomfortable again. And it's because I, this is at the time where I was starting to write the books. I was creating programs and Mm -hmm. I was feeling very boxed in into my business where I was like, I'm only going to be able to reach so many people here. And I have these big aspirations how do I leave the business to go and at that time travel and do speaking engagements or do a book tour when I'm needed right here? Yeah. And so I had to create another layer of change. And then about, it was a year before I actually sold the studio and went online. I had this call um, with an energy worker and she suggested to me, um, in a very matter of factly way that it was time to release it and that I'd known wow. this for quite some time. And that, and, and I was very resentful of the suggestion in the beginning. I, cause I was, it was like my third baby. I was so, you know, it's like I labored that business and I was like still in the process of giving birth to it and, and celebrating its life. And so the idea of selling it and having so I was just like, and I think I was so triggered because I knew she was right. Mm-hmm. 
Like I had, I had achieved my goal. I had accomplished it. it. I had gotten everything out of it. I was going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And, but I sat with this knowing for a year. And so I started to quietly have conversations with people about selling it. And then I, you know, started to put it out there and have more formal conversations. And I ended up selling it. And I was so connected to it that I made myself part of the sale. <laughs> like I still stayed on teaching classes and that only lasted for a few months because then it was gutting me to be in there, but not have yeah. control over how things were running and all of that. And when I fully made that pull out, um, my life just completely transformed my revenue, like 10 X my my level of joy and contentment, my family balance, like everything. And so I don't want to make it sound like that was, if I never made the decision to open that brick and mortar space, Mm -hmm. we would not be having this conversation today. No. Yeah. Right. So it was, uh, it was the most beautiful and challenging period of time in my life. And hands down, had I not had those five years, I would not be who I am today. And I most definitely would not be where I am at today. I think that's wonderful to remind people that there's never a reason to discount your past experience. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, someone listening, maybe 30 or 40 or 50 years old thinking I should have started my online nutrition business earlier. I wish I would have started it earlier, but the truth is everything you've done up to this point has likely prepared you to start it off and to have success. And so I think it's really important rather than saying I should never have opened the brick and mortar studio. It's saying, like you said, like, I'm so glad I did. I learned so much. I actually did it to completion. Um, the same way that a lot of people will describe a marriage that way or their own business venture. It's like, no, I was in it full on until completion and, and that's okay. And sounds like you were able to eventually close that chapter completely. Um, and then it was like, it gave you that fresh energy to shoot into what's next. How can I impact more and more people, which I think Mm -hmm. is a really neat transition. So when you started your online business, did you take the same branding and bring it into your online space? Or did you come up with something totally new? What did that shift into the online world look like? It was a bit Mickey Mouse in the beginning, like it was patchwork yeah. uh, because mm-hmm. I really, I didn't know what I was doing. Like my first couple rounds of my online programs, I was using my Hotmail account. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I had no idea of MailChimp and AWeber and, you know, all of the active campaign and any of this stuff. And what was crazy is that those launches were like blowing stuff out of the water. And I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to keep growing forward. You know, everyone yeah. says like fail forward. I definitely you know, I, I don't believe anything we try is a failure. I think some things go great and they don't, but you always grow from it. And so I maintain the branding of simplicity. My studio was called simplicity. Um, but I changed and I, so I, I kept that as a sole proprietorship for the first few years. Then about two years ago, I opened up a corporation and just opened up a second one. And so it, it's morphed over the years And then I got very clear on what I wanted to teach about in the studio. I was doing everything. So it was, you know, movement because, because I was doing everything. When I got online, I started off still doing everything. And now I have 
a very, you know, niched community. I only work with women and I only work with women who are focused on improving their hormones, their cycle, cyclical living and inflammation. Like Mm. that's who I work with. And that took me a long time to get to that place where I could very confidently say that and not feel like I was letting anyone down. Yeah. (laughs) I think um, that's such a common fear in those first few years. It's just like, well, if I could help everyone, why don't I instead of actually finding that niche? Um, And I know that something that you are very passionate about is finding that dream client and speaking to them. So we are going to circle back on that in a moment. But first, I'd love to know, like, Do you feel that that community you built in person from your brick and mortar business, do you feel like that that really prepared you to have those successful launches when you launched your online business? Like, was there something to that physical community you had built that led into, because a lot of people, they, they launched their online business and they're like, crickets, where is everybody? And it's like, you don't actually know it. Like you don't never leave your house. You've never done anything. So yeah. How do you see that kind of playing together? Oh, I would say a hundred percent. It helped me so much. And the fact that I had been, you know, I, I work in the community. Well, now I'm 20 minutes north of where I grew up, but mm-hmm. I had been teaching in-person fitness classes. I had always worked in gyms. I worked on yeah. golf courses. I worked on highly populated, you know, platforms. And I was very talkative. I would introduce, I always, yeah. you know, eye contact, firm handshake, remembered people's names. I was mm-hmm. really invested in learning about the people. And so I, you know, my name was known in the community and I'm very committed to what it is that I do. So even when I went online, I was still teaching community programs. I was like, when I closed the studio and I lost my space to teach, I'm like, I have a really big main floor and hallway. I'm going to start inviting 30 women at a time into my house for workshops. (laughs) Yeah. So I did that for until we weren't allowed to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. I started to host annual events. I partnered with, you know, health food stores in our community. And so the in-person is massive. I do. I know for a fact, I would not have been able to just, you know, have this vision drop of something online and do that and have the success I did had I not already had Mm -hmm. the connections and relationships. And I, you know, like I said, I've been doing this in the community since I was 17. I'm 41. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a long time. And I know that's hard right now for entrepreneurs online because they're like, great. So I can like connect with four other humans or I get a fine. Um, but that's where podcast, YouTube, yes. you have to figure out what's the medium that everybody is using right now. Mm-hmm. And then it is about carving a really authentic message through that medium that's going to capture people. And that's what's going to help you really um, form that avatar community and that demographic that you're meant to work with. Mm -hmm. It's funny because there's definitely this narrative in starting an online business that you can just like talk to people all over the world and put out your program to all these cold leads per se. And it's like, we need to go back to the fundamentals of yeah. human relationships. Yeah. Like you were building your relationships at the golf course and yeah. at the gyms. And um, for me, I also have a background in teaching fitness classes for the last 15 years. And yeah. the amount of those people who have now worked with me in a coaching capacity, it's like, 
before COVID, I always recommended to my students and clients, there should be a weekly reoccurring event that gets you out of the house and Mm -hmm. in front of people. Like I'm all for Instagram and Facebook and all that, but I just don't think face-to-face physical connection um, will ever be replaced. And so we've got to get out and meet people and build that network. And I think that certainly has contributed to, uh, the success that you have today. So yeah, Yeah. we're hardwired for it, right. As human beings, we, we, and this is, you can't debate that we are literally hardwired for human connection. And, um, you know, there has been numerous studies that have been done, like Nobel peace prize winners that have shown Mm -hmm. like we we have a greater chance of of dying early with lack of human connection than we do of any other disease and yeah. illness in the world mm-hmm. right so it's and it's hard online to um you know you're talking about like cold audiences and people you you don't already have a relationship with people are grabbing your information in the quickest snapshots faster than they can blink it's happening like this yeah. So how you position yourself and, and what you talk about is the engagement now. So you have to allow yourself to be open. You do have to give yourself permission, as scary as it can be, is to be very specific on what you talk about. Because if you're the kitchen sink mm-hmm. and you're catching everything, you're catching no one. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely um, something I want to drill deeper on with you, because I think, like I mentioned earlier, in those first few years, it's tough to know where to niche down and who we want to speak to. But in your experience, why is it so important to talk to a dream client avatar? Like, why do you recommend not being a kitchen sink? Well, because you'll end up talking about things that don't truly light you up. And so, mm-hmm. you know, being an entrepreneur is hard and it, it's an endurance activity. <laughs> like you are, it's a long game. <laughs> it is, you know, this is, this is long. It's a marathon that you are in. And so if you are, you know, exuding energy in six different directions, you're going to fizzle out versus, you know, if you were showing up every day and talking about something that you'd be talking about, regardless if you were getting paid for it, cause you just love it so much that doesn't feel like so much work versus, Mm -hmm. oh gosh, like I talked about this one thing once and now everybody wants it and I'm so over talking about it and I friggin' hate it, but I still have to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And we all do that right in the beginning. Like my whole thing was you'll, you're going to book an appointment with me. There's going to be an exchange for money. I'm in. And I was working with people I never should have been working with. We were not in alignment. We not only were we not in alignment in terms of my area of expertise, but core philosophies, values, not in alignment at all, which means I'm Mm -hmm. not the best person for them. And so it is scary when you hear the concept of niching down because all of a sudden it feels smaller. But the reality is, is you need to learn how to go deep, not wide. Mm. And we get taught the opposite. We get taught, go really wide, have all your different touch points. And that will burn you out. It'll fizzle you out. It'll exhaust you as opposed to why don't you focus on, on one thing right now and go really deep and stay really consistent with it because Mm -hmm. the depth is what is going to create the width over time. And the depth is where you're going to establish relationships. And when you create relationships with people, they talk, 
They will talk about you. They will refer you. They will, you know, it's, it's like a podcast. They'll send it to someone else and you create this really beautiful ripple. And these are like the equivalents of little stones creating the ripples as opposed to this massive boulder, which to mm -hmm. me, trying to do everything like I have only and will only ever do. I have Instagram and Facebook. That's it. I didn't mm -hmm. try Twitter. I don't know how to do reels. I tried one day. It took me like seven hours and I was like, I can't do this. Nope. And I'm not on TikTok and I don't do all the other things. I've just like, this is what we do. This is where you can find us, mm -hmm. you know, and understanding too. Like I, I love to speak and do video more than I like to write. Yep. So I do a lot of video content. That's mm -hmm. how I develop a relationship with people. They see me, they chat with me. You know, and then when I get into a consult with them, they're like, this is so weird. I watch you all the time, but now you're actually talking to me. <laughs> Gotta love that, right? You're like, yeah, I'm real. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's also important to think too, and I'm sure you've thought about this, maybe the reason why you're only on Instagram and Facebook is because that's where your people are hanging out. Like yeah. I'm assuming mm -hmm. that the women you work with aren't necessarily the early adopters of TikTok and aren't um, investing all their time in goofy yeah. reels. It's like, you know, you know who you want to work with, but then also when you know that it's asking like, well, where do they hang out and where do they consume content and yes. find out about programs and services like mine? And really those are the only areas I should be showing up because yeah they're not scrolling TikTok all day to yeah. find their next hormone helper, right? So right. Uh, yeah. why? I don't have a hormone dance to teach you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have it. Not so sure what that looks like, but I'd love yeah. to see it. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. So when you are, are thinking of creating a piece of content for your dream clients, are you just like picturing them? Like, what can I serve them with? Do you listen to them? Like, how do you know what they are going to respond to when you release a new program or uh, creation for them? I mean, I've learned over the years based on when we put something else or drip it out, what the, the, the feedback and the response is like. Um, mm -hmm. And so there's that. But I also, I mean, at the end of the day, the avatar woman I'm working with right now is the me of 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, and, and I get her because I've been her and I've been there and, and I've spent countless hours on my couch with girlfriends who've been in those situations and with other women in my life. And I've had these women in my home. Like I know my avatar client through and through because I've intimately been connected with her. I have, you know, put my hand on her back in child's pose when she's been crying in class. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, made direct eye contact with her in my home or on my book tour. I have, you know, watched her when she's sitting in a live coaching call that I'm doing in one of our groups. I've watched her energy palpably change, whether it is softened or contracted. Yep. I know this woman and I know what she struggles with and I know what she is afraid to, to do in terms of taking the next step and giving herself permission. I know that she feels like, you know, she desperately, she has been watching for years and desperately wants to make a change in her life, but she is afraid that she doesn't have it in her. She's afraid if she says yes, then she's saying no to her family. She's afraid if she invests in herself, then she's taking from her family. You know, she's afraid that this is going to be another time where she signs up for something that she feels like she fails on and doesn't complete. You know, she also knows deeply intuitively something is off in her body and she's been to multiple people and is told she's fine and nothing feels fine about how she feels right now. So mm -hmm. I know her. 
And so it's, I can then show up and it's why the talk works so well for me because the way we write things and there are gifted writers, the way we write things and the way that we speak things, there's a very different energy Mm -hmm. that comes through. And so, you know, for, for those of you that are listening, you know what your gift of communication is. Mm-hmm. And don't let an industry or anyone else tell you that, nah, that's not really. When I first started doing my online um, launches, I was told by everyone, you have to have these multiple page sales pages. Yeah. There's a format, there's a template. And I literally cried when I looked at the template because I was yeah. like, I can't do this. This isn't me. And I, um, I just said, no, I'm going to do this my way. And I released it video style. My launch sequence was me doing a video that I embedded in the email and it was me talking to these women. And I did it once and it worked. And I was like, this is me. I have to show up as me or this is never going to work. I always um, teach my my students that they need to come home to their inner marketer. Like nobody knows how to connect with your dream client better than you. Yet through all of these coaches and programs that we buy, uh, hoping somebody can teach us the formula or the solution. Um, oftentimes there is kind of this one size fits all approach Mm -hmm. and then we try it out and then maybe it doesn't work the way we thought it would. And it's like, Oh, like I failed or nobody wants my program. But usually the issue is that no, you just didn't do it. You didn't launch in a way that felt true to you. And if it didn't feel true to you, it sure as heck probably didn't feel good for your clients to receive this lengthy sales page. Like they needed to feel your heart. They needed to see you on video. But again, it's this inner doubt that we have of like, well, some other marketer probably knows better than me. And it's like, no, we all have that within us. You just need to dust it off. And I love that you recognized that for you, you had to show up on video and um, your clients probably felt that through you. So I think that's amazing. Yeah. So what does a typical work week look like for you these days? Like what projects are you focusing on? Where do you spend a lot of your time right now in running your business? So our business has gone through a lot of growth in this past year. So I have three new team members that I have added on. Um, My main focus in terms of our programs are the Hormone Project, which is a global program um, that is running continually and that is like my fourth child now. Um, (laughs) And I I love it. I absolutely love it. And that requires a lot of time and energy. So I do all the onboarding for the women that come into that. So they're all doing their consultations with me and I do functional testing that I'm taking them through. So that's, that's a lot of time and energy. I'm in practice. Um, I've shape shifted my schedule now where I'm only in practice with clients two days a week, but they're two pretty heavy days. Yeah. So I set myself up for those days, um, Mm -hmm. you know, on an energy level and I do things based on cyclical living as well. So, um, there's also times for me when I know based on my cycle that those are the days to show up. And then there's other days where I need to hibernate. Mm -hmm. So I future forecast that. And then I have synced, which is an online movement studio and education program for women about cycle awareness and how to move through, like physically move through, but also in a lifestyle, the four phases of their menstrual cycle and the lunar cycle for women who do not have a period. Um, Then it's right now mentoring and continuing to build out my team. 
and working on, um, I have a new project that I am launching in 2021. Uh, and then it's honestly, there's still a lot of admin. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. There's the never ending inbox that builds up. And so I'm getting better over the years. It takes time. You know, I have an assistant that I'm starting to funnel more of the emails to, but when you're, you're somebody like myself or like you, and those of you listening where it was me who built this for the first 18 years. Yep. It's really hard when, you know, and I have a fantastic team and I'm getting better, um, but it's really hard to start to let some of those things go. But you get to a point, like for me, I realized that I was the bottleneck in the growth of the company. It, yeah. it was, I was the actual problem because I wasn't releasing mm-hmm. a lot. I wasn't adding enough people on. I wasn't, you know, taking the leap of faith and, and and growing before it felt like maybe we were ready to on the books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's um, so right now my, my days are Monday to Thursday and then Friday to Sunday. I am, if I feel like it, I might do some work in that behind the scenes, but I have zero appointments on those three days of the week. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I love that. And I think it's yeah. so great that you give yourself Friday as a free day. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, like we've been chatting about as business owners, we'll always kind of dabble on the Friday or a Saturday mm-hmm. or Sunday, but that's because we want to. And that's when maybe we get that uh, really fresh creative energy that couldn't come Monday to Thursday while we were busy in our inboxes or on appointments. So yeah. that's great. One other tip that I'll give that a girlfriend of mine taught me years ago, and this has been a saving grace, is um, I'm in my practice on Mondays and Thursdays and Wednesdays. I do majority of my meetings. So Tuesdays and Fridays, I I keep free. And the beauty of keeping Tuesdays open is that every time, which typically happens once a month, we have a long weekend. I am off on the Monday and I'm off on the Tuesday. And because I don't work Friday, I get a five day period of time Mm. of being off. And so I never take my Monday and plug it in somewhere else because we're going to be on a holiday. I take that holiday. And then I'm also off on the Tuesday. Hmm. That is a hot tip. I really like that. I might implement it. It is. It was a game changer for me. Yeah. Especially because when that weekend rolls around, like you're getting a proper rejuvenating vacation, which is tough to take um, any other time unless it's scheduled. So what is one recent milestone that you've hit in your business, be it small or big, that you feel really proud of and that you stopped to celebrate? It was this year. It was, you know, January of 2020. I took my whole team up north. I rented an Airbnb for five days and we jammed out and planned out this beautiful year. Um, you know, and, and we set a target monetary wise. And eight weeks later, everything that we had planned had to be completely you know, shifted like everybody else. That word pivot because of, of 2020. And Um, You know, two of the big contracts that I had landed were to be in-person events. Well, those were gone, like pretty much right out of the gates. There was a lot of things that could have gotten in our way of hitting that goal. And, um, you know, we we have pretty much hit it. We are, you know, just shy of hitting that on December 31st. And my team came together in a way where I knew that we always had it in us, but you know, we, we doubled revenue in our core programs. We, you know, we just rose above and got so creative. And I think that while this year has been hard because there's been a lot of uncertainty of knowing like, well, what do we plan and what do we do? 
it made us dig really deep and, and us recognize that we can actually handle anything that comes our way. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really grateful for what this year has presented for us. And now we know, like we have a team meeting that's coming up in January to plan out again. And we're going into it a season at a time. Yeah. And we're allowing ourselves to not over plan, to not panic and just be like, all right, let's focus on these next 12 to 14 weeks. And Mm. then the next period, okay, let's focus on this. And it feels a lot better. So, um, you know, in the past, I think I would have been upset that we didn't hit the big goal. Mm -hmm. And this year I'm, I'm so impressed with us that how well we have done in the year of a pandemic and with everything that we had planned being changed and turned on its side, and we've just grown and not just on the monetary level, we have grown to a level as a team um, that I don't think would have happened if everything went the way we initially planned. Mm. That's really inspiring to hear. And I love that you're shifting to more of that quarterly mentality, just knowing that, hey, we can't control the next 12 months, especially with COVID happening right now and no certainty of when things go back. So I think as a leader, just saying, you know what, let's just focus on some more micro chunks. And um, then if we need to change things, it doesn't feel so daunting or overwhelming. And, you know, last question for you. As the leader of this company, how are you staying inspired right now? You obviously have to show up in a big way, not only for your clients, but in order to lead your team forward um, mm-hmm. over the next many years. So what, how, like, how do you stay inspired to keep a big vision and to show up in the way you need to show up? The first, the first thing is my community of women keep me inspired because they're so eager to learn. And yeah. we don't offer a system. We offer education. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not an influencer. I'm an educator through and through. That is just who I am. And so yeah. when these women reach out and they ask and then they share their successes and the changes that are happening in a matter of months that they have been struggling with for literally their whole life, that is my mojo. That's what keeps me going. And I know I'm like, we are on the right path. And so there's that. Also, I have a community of um, fellow uh, entrepreneurs and colleagues where we are so supportive of one another Mm -hmm. and and we collaborate and we share one another's work and we celebrate and high five. And we also go to each other when we are literally like, I've been on the ground for two days and I can't get up and I am Mm -hmm. just like, and I think that has been, you know, it's been really great because typically what happens is when you're having your down day, the other person is on an up day. Mm-hmm. And so that has been, um, it's been really inspiring as well too. I think that's definitely one of the most overlooked parts of being a business owner is making sure you have fellow business owners in your corner who are going to support you, whether you meet with them on a more formal basis or just casually, um, like we can't do this alone, right? We need to feel like we have those colleagues or mastermind peers or whatever you want to call them uh, in order to feel held on the days when you feel like the floor has just broken and you're falling um, endlessly. So, And I would say that that community is um, more important on some level than your family because your family, your partner, um, anybody who shares finances or anything with you, not always going to be the one who can support and hold you because it impacts them as well too, or their own limiting beliefs or their own money blocks. And that will come through. Um, and so you, you really do you, not everybody deserves to hear 
your your dreams and your hopes and your worries. So just mm-hmm. be very, you know, selective on who you're allowing in and make sure it's someone who is going to be able to support you on that and uh, and hold the space for you. Mm-hmm. So, so important. So we will leave it on that juicy nugget and amazing, amazing conversation. Thank you so much, Jen. I feel like there's so much wisdom we could learn from you. So maybe we can do this again sometime. But in the meantime, if people want to learn more about you and your programs and all the wonderful stuff you're putting out into the world, where is the best place for them to find you? So it is jenpike.com, my website. Um, Instagram is jenpike. My name is spelt with two N's. That's where I spend most of my time. And I just want to say thank you for uh, asking me to come on the show today. I think this is a really amazing offering that you're putting out there into the world. And entrepreneurs need to, whether you're an emerging entrepreneur or someone who's been doing it for a long time, these conversations never get old. We need the reminders. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And definitely stay tuned into all of Jen's content upcoming. I know you have some wonderful things launching in 2021 and beyond. So all the best and thanks again for being here. Thank you. There you have it. That is my chat with Jen. I hope you enjoyed it. She's got this incredible balance between being a hardworking visionary leader, yet she's soft-spoken and transparent about what it really takes to run her company. A few things that I want to double tap on before we wrap up this episode. So before Jen and I started recording, we were talking about these dips that business owners often experience. You know, those low moments in a day, which happen almost every day, when you just feel like things aren't working. You hit a wall, right? And yes, even Jen and I have those moments on the regular. So Jen talks about a technique that she uses, which is simply tapping in and taking a pause. Removing her earbuds, taking some deep breaths, and asking, why isn't this working? This is something that I need to implement immediately as I find that I encounter these moments a few times a week where, you know, I'm writing email automations or creating content and then you just hit this block. Um, And instead of taking that pause, I work through it, uh, which never results in my best work. So I loved that tip. The second thing I wanted to double tap on was how Jen sees the closure or the selling of her fitness studio as a completion and not a failure. I think it's so important for all of us to adopt this kind of mindset and this mindset shift uh, when one chapter of our life closes and another is about to open. It's not a failure that you're transitioning. It's not that you shouldn't have ever spent time in that previous chapter. It's not something that you need to regret, Uh, but instead you should see it as, okay, this has come full circle. It is complete. uh, And now I'm excited that it has led me to this next chapter. So nothing you have done thus far in your life um, is failure. It just came to completion. And I love that mindset shift. And the third thing that I want to drill down on is how wonderful it was that Jen was able to be super transparent with us about opening a bricks and mortar studio and the challenges that come alongside that. She mentioned that it was some of the hardest years and the most rewarding years of her life while she owned and operated that fitness studio. When she shared how tough it was in terms of the finances and making rent and managing her team and dealing with landlords and 
everything else and being the janitor of your studio, it really reminded me of how important it is to support our brick and mortar shop owners when possible, because they are the ones that make time, um, or not make time, but they make space for our communities to thrive. They make our communities vibrant. They make it worth living where we live. And so I think, uh, this is just a moment for all of us that we should pause and thank and express gratitude towards all of the brick and mortar shop owners who are out there um, sharing their gifts with the world. So I will see you on next week's episode. I hope you enjoyed and have an amazing week. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis. So it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. Whenever you're ready, there's a couple of ways that I can support you. So first thing, if you're ready to make your first or next $50,000 in business, explore how the Visionary Method business coaching experience can accelerate your growth. There'll be a link in the show notes. Also, if you're feeling lost, confused, or overwhelmed when it comes to starting an online business, reach out and book a free revision call with me. I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.